courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. <laughs> Learn about adopting a team from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Hey, I'm Veronica Dagger, and this is the Wall Street Journal Secrets of Wealthy Women, where women share how they tackle career, money, and the world. The coronavirus pandemic is straining the finances of millions of people. From the nearly 17 million Americans who've lost their jobs in the last three weeks, to business owners, large and small, who've seen demand dry up, to those who are still working but making tough choices about their expenses and their financial futures. Today, I'm happy to have financial planner Meredith Moore help us navigate this difficult time. She's been a financial advisor for more than 20 years, and she's helped clients manage their money through challenging life events, such as a layoff, divorce, and death. She also specializes in helping women become empowered investors. Meredith, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Veronica. I'm really excited to be here. Well, happy to have you. First, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. I mean, all things considered, my pantry's full. I have income coming in. So relatively speaking, I'm, I'm in a really good place. Glad to hear. So before we dive in, we want to remind listeners who find tips from WSJ or Meredith helpful that it's important to consult a certified financial professional for advice on your specific situation before making any financial decisions. Meredith, millions of people have lost their jobs and many more are likely to find themselves jobless in the coming weeks. It's tough for some people to stay afloat these days. And if you lose your job, it can feel so overwhelming and it can be hard to know what to do first. So in general, what's a good first step to feel like you're taking some control of your finances? Great question. So really the best place to start is ironically the toughest homework item I ever ask people to do. And that is to come up with what are your monthly living expenses? And when you really approach this project, which people inevitably want to put off, um, you want to look at what were your expenses before you got laid off or before COVID-19 started. Um, because inevitably, a lot of us have had expenses that have simply gone away just because um, of social distancing. Um, gyms aren't open anymore. Um, for those of us ladies that like to go to the salon, obviously, that's off the radar right now. So I think we're reducing our spend whether we want to or not in many cases. But truly first figuring out what was your spend before because if you lose your job, this will help us figure out how much you need to still have come in or how much you'll need to pull from some account to make up that difference. What do I bring in? What is my income from work? And then what are my expenses going out? Um, so if you have enough income to cover your essential expenses without any frills, great. But if you don't have enough income, if you got laid off, let's figure out what your essential expenses are. And then what's the difference between zero income and the essential expenses? So where do I need to pull money from to make up the difference? And by knowing that difference number, then we can figure out where do we go to make up that difference. 
whether that's a bank account, whether that's unemployment, a whole slew of different options. I see. You know, Meredith, some people who are still employed may also be facing pay cuts. You know, other people who work in sales, for example, may have seen their commissions cut if sales have dried up. Listener Cecilia from Boston is in that position. She sent us a text on our hotline and she said she's a single parent in sales. She has a five-year-old child. She's currently pursuing her MBA part-time and she's dealing with income uncertainty like a lot of people are. And she's a single earner in her household. She'd love to get some tips on how to manage her expenses during this time, especially since her MBA tuition is taking a significant amount of her income. Meredith, I think this is a really interesting question because like when one of your expenses is really tied to future potential earnings like college tuition payments, how do you think of that expense? Right. So obviously a tuition expense is an investment in your future. And what I would encourage people is with many vendors, whether it's an educational institution, whether it's a credit card, is get in touch with your vendors to find out if they'll work with you on deferring payments until the future. I mean, it isn't just individuals, those of us that are individuals that are going through this. This is nonprofits, education institutions, businesses. And what I'm seeing is many groups are willing to make concessions and create deferral payment plans or give other options. Um, so instead of saying, hey, I just can't do my MBA, I would first talk to the school. And then that way you can see if any options are there and then be able to figure out, hey, is there a way that do I need to delay this or do I need to get a loan to cover this so you can figure out kind of next steps, if you will. And is that the same thing for something like your car payment or your mortgage as well? Give those lenders a call as well? Absolutely. And, and really all the credit cards, all of them in the banks are really trying to create options, but not getting in touch with them is not going to be good. A lot of them are saying, hey, if you can't make a payment, just please get in touch, let them know, and they'll work something out with you. They want to get paid. And so it's in their best interest to take a little bit from you than nothing at all. How should we approach budgeting now if we feel like our job is relatively secure? For example, in a time like this, should we still be looking for ways to cut back on expenses, even if we're in the extremely fortunate position of being employed? The way that I would approach that is not as much, hey, uh, let's start eating ramen instead of steak for dinner. I would see back to our earlier discussion just by necessity with um, with isolating and quarantining and all this, just some vendors are closed. So now my gym membership monthly outflow has freed up. Now these other things have freed up. I want to take advantage of that now and put that in my emergency account, in my safe cash. Now is the time to get to work on some of those goals that you've needed to really do. You've put off, you have a little bit of free cash, but you're still able to live your life within the same sort of standard of living that you like. It's not ideal, but again, you're forced to. So let's go ahead and start funding that emergency account. That's smart. Meredith, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, let's talk about how to get help with our finances and how to adjust our big financial plans amid the coronavirus crisis.
Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. <laughs> Learn about adopting a teen from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. This is a really difficult time that we're all living through. And one thing that's become extremely clear is that we can't get through this alone. We need each other. For some people, that may mean not only the emotional support of others, but also the financial support too. What do you think of taking a personal loan out to help pay the bills? When I look at right now when we need money, I think of it... um, in terms of triaging, where are the best places to pull money? And in terms of that triage, like the personal loan is so far down. I'd be looking first at, did I have emergency money to use? Did I have a CD at the bank? Do I have some individual stocks, mutual funds that I can leverage with minimal tax penalties? Um, Even now with the CARES Act, the government allows you to pull some money from even an IRA or a qualified plan without paying a penalty for a period of time. So even a home equity line. So when you look at a personal loan, that's on there, um, but it's farther down the list. So taking a 401k loan is a better option than it was before, but it sounds like we still want to be a bit cautious when we're doing that, right? Absolutely. Right now, you know, there's a, there's a saying, I think, in the financial industry that if somebody has a major life event, like you don't make any big decisions for a period of time. And I, I think for all of us, this is a major life event, and I'd want to be very cautious unless you absolutely needed the money and which bucket, essentially, that I would start getting funds from and fully understanding the tax, the penalties, and anything that would be associated with that. And any interest payments, back to your personal loan scenario. So many people are expected to be charging up higher balances on their credit cards to survive. If we're in that situation, what's the best way to minimize the long-term financial damage? Well, and a great example on that, um, like literally two days ago, Veronica, I got an email from one of my credit card companies um, that I have a zero balance on, and they offered a zero interest rate transfer from one of my other credit cards. And so that rarely happens, uh, I think, for a lot of us. And that was for two years, they were offering zero interest. And so for those people that need to charge it up, I would be looking actively at those offers. And I would be also calling their credit card companies to see if something like that exists, to see if they're willing to give them an extra interest rate. And, you know, last resort, if you have to do it, you have to do it. But I would explore, you know, what are they willing to do? How are they willing to help you? Again, they're all hyper aware right now what's going on and fully expecting balances to go up. If we want to borrow money from family or friends, how should we approach that conversation? That's a tricky question because nobody ever wants, especially with parents, wants to get in their business and they feel uncomfortable getting in our business. I work with many families with multiple generations. Um, I, I think... Before you have that conversation, I think you want to go in with a very specific ask. You want to know exactly how much you need, what kind of terms you would like, meaning 
how long before you can pay it back, understand what interest rate you're willing to give them. And frankly, you're going to want to know like, hey, what is the bank charging for a loan? So is mom and dad, are they going to give you basically what the Federal Reserve's going to give you or what you know the local bank is? Or do you need to make it higher? Or are they going to be willing to do a zero interest rate loan? I'd go in fully prepared with terms, interest rates, payments, et cetera, knowing that it's going to be a not a fun conversation, but with a very clear ask and specifics on it. Um, and I think that goes for any family member, but the more details and granularity that you can get them, I think it makes it a lot easier. I think people, what I'm seeing, at least in my practice, is that um, people aren't mad about this. I mean, this has just happened and nobody can control it. Um, but be very specific in your ask and have terms in which you are going to pay them back. Our secrets listeners are women with big plans, but now many of us have to make changes. This may be the year where the money or life goals we've set for ourselves at the beginning of the year just have to be put on hold and that's okay. And for some people, this may feel like the exact right time to switch course. We received this comment from a listener named Destiny in Austin, Texas. Take a listen. I was working in politics um, and I was working for a candidate who dropped out of the presidential election. And of course, the coronavirus happened. So I'm in a limbo mode right now. And I do have an idea for a small business that I want to start but I don't even know if it's the right time to do any of that. So what do you think, Meredith? Is now a good time to start a business? I'm going to say no, and I'm going to tell you why. Right now, we're in so much uncertainty. And back to my analogy of if something big, like a big event, again, somebody dies, like you just don't make decisions for a little bit. And look, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you, like, I'm all about starting businesses but right now, like you're going to lose liquidity. Right now, we want cash because we don't know what's going to happen. We want access to our capital if we need to zig instead of zag. And so I would still wait for this landscape to play out a little bit before I went down a road of trying to start a business and better even understanding what the lending was going to look like for small business you know, once we get farther to the other side of, of the curve, if you will, with, with COVID-19. What about going back to college or grad school or other educational plans? That might mean racking up more debt, right? Right. That, that's exactly correct. So going back to school could incur more debt. Um, there have been some provisions with the CARES Act that have addressed some student loans right now. But I really think that we're in a new economic world and we don't know how the education institutions are going to treat new tuition and things like that. So look, again, I'm all for education, but I'd, I'm, we're still in a little bit of wait and see game before you make any big commitments yet. Gotcha. And so would the same thing go for other big investments? I know several people had thought about buying a home this year and now they're rethinking that. Is that another big decision we should just wait on? Because some of the mortgage rates on the flip side and the interest rates are so low that it could be a good opportunity for some buyers. Right. So I'm gonna, I am going to draw a little bit of an exception there. 
Um, interest rates are low. If somebody is, um, you use the analogy of they still have a job, they still have good cash flow, i.e. income coming in and, and good expenses going out, and you figure out you can cash flow the mortgage and you have enough in cash to do the down payment, but I'm going to underline the but, but keep your emergency account intact, like it's a great time to buy a home because I have to believe things are starting to shift right now and there's probably some good opportunities out there. It may seem inconsequential to worry about canceled vacations, but still I know several listeners who planned on taking a nice trip this year and either had to cancel it outright or postpone it. Do you think it's a wise financial move at this time to rebook a vacation for later this year? I mean, there are a few deals out there. So I do think that there's a few deals out there. I think I would make sure that I fully understand how long, if I book this now, how long I have to cancel. Um, The reality is we don't know how long they're going to, we're going to be sheltering in place and what various, um, you know, places in hospitality, like how they're going to be opening. I know I personally have booked an Airbnb up in coastal Maine and I'm still on hold to see if I cancel or not. I would love nothing more than to get out of my house and go to the beach, but I also need to be, you know, really practical about it too. Like, is this even going to be possible? And then what I'm, what am I going to lose if I end up um, canceling? For sure. How do we reprioritize our savings goals for retirement, given the financial uncertainty at the moment? For example, should we boost our emergency fund savings instead of putting so much towards retirement? I think on the emergency fund savings, a good rule of thumb is having three to six months of your living expenses. In the beginning, we talked about really figuring out what that is, and that's one reason. If you don't know what your monthly run rate is on your living expenses, you don't know how much to hold in cash. So if I'm spending 10 grand a month, that means I need 30 grand in my emergency account, um, up to 60, holding no more than 60,000. But at the same time, there is a balance with short-term cash with longer-term opportunity. Obviously, the markets have corrected in a very large way. And to not still be contributing to, say, a retirement account that might have a 20 or 30-year runtime before you would even need it, um, you know, that's also a really good opportunity. And so deciding, it's back to triage, and everybody's situation is different. Um, you need some sort of emergency account. And even if you're putting more minimal amounts away for the long term, given how um, lower in valuation some of the stock market is right now, I'd want to take advantage of both. Meredith, if we can look for some personal finance silver lining amid all of this bad news, what would you say that is? Um, I, th- I think it's twofold. Number one, there are big opportunities to invest right now in the market. And it's scary for some people. There's what I call a heart head disconnect. Like we intellectually know that market prices are lower, but it's scary to jump in. Um, But now is the best time to do that. And I do see that as a silver lining. The second thing is a little more sort of esoteric. The fact that 
I think this is creating vulnerability and awareness for people and realizing perhaps that they hadn't planned to the level that they needed to. Whether that's as simple as the emergency account, whether it's have I completed my estate plan, do I have enough life insurance, all these things have to be swirling around in people's head. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if people don't take action after all of this. So my hope is, is that it is creating more awareness on planning. Thank you so much for your insights, Meredith. Thanks, Veronica. I had a blast spending time together. If you'd like to hear more Secrets of Wealthy Women, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite audio provider. If you like us, subscribe, share us on social media, and give us a review. And remember, our hotline is still open. If you have any questions, comments, or tips on how you're tackling your career and your money during the coronavirus pandemic, call or send us a text at 314-200-5947. I'm Veronica Dagger. Hang in there, Secrets listeners. You've got this. Thanks for listening.